right. So uh, welcome, everybody. I'm Pat Cleary, and uh, joining me today is Kirk Flagg of Samuel Hale. And I'm talking to Kirk because I stole his idea, and he's here because he was kind enough on a slow news day to invite me on his podcast. And uh, I agreed, and it was so interesting. I wasn't interesting, but the podcast was interesting. Uh, that I went back to our team and said, "Hey, why don't we do one of those?" So uh, I called Kirk to say, "Are you okay if I steal your idea?" And he was typically gracious and said, "Yes." It was enormously helpful in terms of the technology and getting this done. And as he notes, he did this all himself. I have an entire floor of people here working with me on this stuff. <laughs> Not really. I have Raj Kamada already working with me on it. But I really do appreciate it. And uh, we will have a link to Kirk's podcast on our page uh, where there's a lot of good content. And I'm probably going to be talking to some of the same people, but uh, not as well till I get the swing of things. So I, first and foremost, I really do appreciate it, pal. Thank you for uh, letting me uh, jump into your space, hook, line, and sinker, and giving me a lot of, of advice along the way. So uh, thank you for that. Well, I appreciate it for you. as appreciate you as well, Pat, because I was getting to the point where I had just started with Samuel Hale. I started getting busier and busier, and I continued to get busier, and I just didn't have the time. So in many respects, I'm thrilled that you're picking up the torch and carrying it forward. I'm I'm limping forward, Kirk. I'm limping forward. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna do it. So it's interesting. I was gonna start uh, start at the beginning about the history of Kirk Flag, but before I do, what was interesting is the history of the podcast. So I stole my idea from you, and you got the idea from Gary Aaron's, right? Right. So. I hope some, well, at least some of the old timers will remember Carrie. Uh, and back the late 90s, early 2000s, Carrie used to send out a disc, <laughs> which was, you know, pre-podcasting. And it had all sorts of information, news of the industry, uh, interview with people, and uh, her advice. And it was, you know, she was sending out thousands of them at the end. And... Um, there really hasn't been anything like that for a while. Yeah, it's great. And yeah, you picked up the cudgel from her. So I guess the DNA is unbroken then uh, now to me. And I should say, I think I think I had been in this job like a week or two. And Craig Babigian called me and said, hey, would you be a guest on Carrie Aaron's thing, her interview? And I said, sure, fine. And, you know, uh, Carrie, like everyone else, uh, for, for everyone else, she was such an enormous help to me. Uh, we're still Facebook friends. I keep track on her of her uh, adventures around the world and in, in, uh, in down south as well in the Carolinas. But she was such a huge help to me. I went to her conference every year and she was just uh, uh, she uh, was and is this connector and this wonderful right. kind person who just wanted the best for you and me and the industry and everybody else. So she was she was great. So uh, okay, so let's go over to Kirk Flag from the from birth to present. So you and I share a couple things in common. First, we we are uh, both lawyers, but you know we're more or less reformed. But we both worked in the auto industry. So tell me, so you started in Michigan, right? I, I, I did. I 
I grew up in Owasso, Michigan, which is a small town between Flint and Lansing. And my father worked in uh, Flint, you know, the Michael Moore fame, uh, mm -hmm. lead water and all, um, worked on the Chevrolet Flint manufacturing. And when I was, I think it was after my freshman year in college, I commuted over for a summer. And in 13 weeks, I made enough money working 60 to 80 hour weeks uh, <laughs> to pay for my whole college tuition for the next year. Unbelievable. So that's, Unbelievable. that was a very good experience on any number of levels. What's a, what were you doing? Was it, was it cars or parts or what was it you were making? It was an engine plant. And so there were, I would have a couple different jobs. I would fill in at different times. There were times when I was, you know, putting pans up on the line that would go by and you had to put up, you know, a, a, a new part every 30 seconds or something. There were times when I was sweeping the floor. There were times they uh, loaded the engines into uh, rail cars. And my job was to make sure all the engines were locked in place before they um, put them in the rail car. Because if they weren't locked in place, <laughs> they would fall all over and there would be like five or six engines, you know, they're racked three high. Um on the floor with oil spilling all over. And uh, that was challenging keeping up with three fork truck drivers who wanted to get their job done much quicker than you were allowing them to. <laughs> it's great. And it is great experience, right? It's, it's like life changing, right? To, to have yes. done for a while. It changes everything else. Every job looks better after that. <laughs> yes. Right. There were some benefits. There's some jobs that I, yeah. you know, I, I would have gone back to the auto plants for, but uh, mostly, you know, most of my jobs have been better. Yep. Yep. I, I was uh, studying one day, beautiful fall day in law school, and I was feeling sorry for myself. I, I was in the Midwest and I just felt terrible. And it was a Saturday and, and everybody was outside having fun. And so at like three o'clock or something like that, I said, okay, enough. I've had enough. And I walked out. And I, I, I painted Ford Granadas and Monarchs. Everybody's old enough to remember those And it, when I was at the Ford plant. And I walked out of the library and parked right outside was a Ford Granada. Uh -huh. Turned around, I went back in the library. Because I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And I need to yeah. finish law school. <laughs> I, I need to get this done. Okay, so then uh, from there to DOJ. How did, DOJ is like the jewel of the crown. But so, so from uh, a meager auto worker to DOJ, how did you get to D.C.? Well, I went to Notre Dame for law school. And a Notre Dame grad always has to throw that in. It, it, they always say, you, you, know, you know, someone went to Notre Dame because they tell you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But... That was part of it because uh, I came out of the law school. I was in private practice for a year, uh, went up to Borg Warner Corporation, which sure. you may recognize from an sure. auto. They were a multinational back in the, the 80s. Um, the Borg Warner Trophy is the Indianapolis 500 Trophy. Yeah. And I was in their headquarters in Washington, D.C., and I was promoted to be a lobbyist for the corporation. It was kind of a fast track where I was going to be a lobbyist, learn D.C. for a couple of years. And then I was going to be out, go out to become assistant general counsel at one of their seven subsidiaries. And um, well, back in the 80s, there was this company called KKR that used to uh, take over companies and then dismantle them for higher pricing, which they did to Borg Warner. And I found myself unemployed uh, and ended up 
with the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division, which where I was there for, um, I think it was uh, 1987 to 1997. Wow. So under a bunch of attorneys general. Yes. Uh, I don't, you can't see it behind me, but I have <laughs> special achievement awards from Dick Thornburg, uh, Bill Barr the first time around and Janet Reno. So I was bar bipartisan back then. Well, yeah, I, you know, as I said, you know, DOJ is a tough job to get in this city. And it is, you know, for any lawyer, uh, it's the jewel in the crown, right? Being a DOJ is is a big deal. So that's pretty good. So how on earth did you end up in this wayward industry? Like how, you know, you had a good, clean life. You were living in yeah. DOJ. You were here in D.C. And so, OK, so what's that gap? How did you get from D.C. to California in the PEO industry? Well, that's an even longer story, but let me. <laughs> we got the time. Uh, we okay. Well, <laughs> I'll I'll break it up a little. One of my first jobs at DOJ was the anti-discrimination provisions of the Immigration Act of '86, mm -hmm. and ironically, I did know Senator Simpson and Representative Mazzoli, mm -hmm. who were sponsors of that bill way back when. But what we would do is uh, investigate companies that were accused of not hiring people because they looked foreign or didn't have the right paperwork. So I ended up investigating this company. I believe it was in Houston, Texas. And, you know, it was a smaller company, but our jurisdiction was down to five people or something mm -hmm. small mm -hmm. like that. And all of a sudden, this PEO steps forward and says, we're the employer of record. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, well, let me see from five other clients then. <laughs> They're I nines, mm -hmm. and um, you know I reviewed them. Some there were some mistakes. There was, I mean, there wasn't any discrimination or major issues going on. And I said, you know, this is great. And if I haven't said so, it was First Odyssey in Texas, who I believe is still around. Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of uh, months later, maybe a year even, I get a call from their HR person who I dealt with, and I said, they said um, we're moving our headquarters maybe from Houston to Dallas or Dallas to Houston. Mm -hmm. And we need a general counsel. Would you be interested? Wow. And I'm like, well, that's that's a huge compliment. Yeah. You know, they yeah. thought I was fair enough that, um, you know, th that I would be a good general counsel. Um, and so I had a friend in the industry, and I didn't know really know much about PEOs. I had a friend that worked for a PEO in Michigan and I called him and I said, hey, what do you know about this first odyssey? He said, let me do some research and come back and, and tell you. And he, he came back. It was one of my college buddies. And uh, he came back and said, Kirk, if, um, if you're going to work for anyone in the industry, we want you to work for us. And so I went to Michigan to work for a PEO, which was the largest privately held PEO uh, at the time with, I think it was about 20,000 worksite employees. Wow. So that was a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, that didn't work out for a number of reasons. And Kelly Services ended up hiring me away to their PEO in uh, California, San Diego. Kelly Services had a PEO? Yeah, Kelly Staff Leasing, which is another. <laughs> Kelly Staff Leasing purchased your staff, which was one of the early, really early on top performing PEOs, you know, hmm. Fortune 500 or the fastest rising company, mm -hmm. 
500 or whatever it was a report at the time. And so they bought a company called Your Staff, which actually one of the owners was T. Joe Willie. Yeah, sure. You know, a legend, he, right? He was Carrie Aaron before there was a Carrie yes, Aaron. Yes, right, right. Um, so T. Joe Willie was part owner, owner, and Gordy Brown and Jim Connor, and that's you really have to have gray hair to remember any of those people. Yeah, yeah. And so that was Kelly purchased that, and then in 2007, after I'd made the company profitable, their division profitable. <laughs> They sold it out from underneath me and uh, to Oasis Outsourcing, and then I became an employee of Oasis, which was another great experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so okay. So then the next step after Oasis. So, what year would this have been that you were with Oasis? Uh, I was with Oasis from 2007 to 2019. Okay, so you were there during the Pearlberg years. Oh yes. Okay. I was reporting directly to Mark when we were first acquired. Because I think it was their first big acquisition outside of Florida. Okay. This was going to establish their West Coast base. Mm -hmm. And so I won't say that we became good friends, but good acquaintances. I, I really enjoyed Mark on all sorts of levels. Yeah, he's a terrific guy. And he uh, actually uh, will be talking to him at some future uh, episode here. So stay tuned for that. So, okay. Okay. So then how'd you go from there to Samuel Hale? What happened? What was the, was that the step or was there an in-between step? In between, I was at a company and I'm not going to name the company mm -hmm. um, for personal reasons, but I was general counsel for a company that was based in Irvine. That was a Pete, a kind of a PEO. I don't know that they consider themselves a PEO, and they moved to Florida, so I'm not even going to make a comment on whether they <laughs> be licensed or not, though I have opinion on it. Um, and I didn't move to Florida with them. So I retired for a while, and then uh, one of the owners of, of that company put me in contact with Mike DeMano here at Samuel Hale, mm -hmm. and I started here, goodness, in March of last year. It's almost been a full year. Wow. By the time you publish this, it will have been yeah, a full year. Uh, that's yeah. terrific. That's terrific. Okay, so so tell me about Samuel Hale and what's the better mousetrap. And eventually we'll get to what is a carve-out. But yeah, tell me about Samuel Hale and, and what you guys are, are doing. Well, the reason I got into the PEO industry was because, you know, the, the bottom motivating force in my life is to trying to help people. Mm -hmm. That's why I became an employment attorney. I was with the a government and I was trying to help people. And then I realized the people that needed a lot of the help were the small business owners. Mm -hmm. yep. And so being an attorney, advising them to stay in compliance. Well, Samuel Hale has a little different spin on things because their focus is, well, it's on compliance with the employer. It's also on benefits for the employee. Mm -hmm. So, at Samuel Hale, we're providing, well, it, it might be important to point out that our typical employee makes 45,000 a year. Uh, most of them are monolingual Spanish speakers mm -hmm. and uh, barely making ends meet. So we provide them with several different bonuses during over the year. We're providing them with a pension plan, eligibility for a pension plan. 
We're providing them with a free medical program. Um, and we just added English as a second language. Uh, we frequently, we were just had a, um, a taco truck visit one of our big locations in mm -hmm. Stockton. And if you're a member of Samuel Hale, you could come out and have tacos. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it was a Tuesday or a Monday, but <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, and by the way, these are what what uh, what sectors are they in? Well, hospitality, or what? I would say about half of our uh, employees are staffing company okay. um, employees. Okay, uh, so they're working in uh, warehousing, uh, landscaping, uh, hotel rooms, um, lower end, lower end companies or mm -hmm. lower end uh, jobs. Mm -hmm. now, how we how we pay for all this, and I think this is what you were uh, alluding to with the carve out program. We um, a little unique in PEO world. We actually have a union contract, mm -hmm. and that's going to raise some eyebrows from our listeners. Yeah, uh, yeah, right there. Uh, but what we did was in California, they have a rule that if you are a union or you have a union contract, you can apply to opt out of the California Workers' Comp Program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're, I, I'm sure you're familiar with California, but mm -hmm. it, the comp rates here can be five times higher than they are in Arizona, Nevada, Oregon. Mm -hmm half of the payments out of the workers comp system go to attorneys mm -hmm. uh, and not the individual workers and a significant portion goes to medical. So we have a, we applied for received a workers comp carve out program and uh, have been operating for about six years now under the program. It's been recognized by the workers comp board by the state of California we're really in, in good stead in that regard. So what we end up doing is for a typical claim for every dollar that is normally spent on workers comp mm -hmm. uh, in California, we're saving 75% of that. Wow. So we're paying 25 cents on the dollar for each claim. Now mm -hmm. we're paying the 25 cents that would have gone to the employee only, mm -hmm. but we're we're keeping we're streamlining it so the lawyers aren't getting their share. Yep. And what we do with that seventy five cents, you know, some of it goes to our profitability, of course, because sure. that's the name of the game. A uh, part of it goes to the union in mm -hmm. form of dues and the pension mm -hmm. uh, and the benefits we're providing to employees. Uh, and then the third part, of course, goes to the employees. And we're really excited. Uh, in the coming year about what we're going to do for the employees. So that's kind of what the Samuel Hale secret sauce is mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how we make our money. Um, we believe it can't be, it can't easily be duplicated. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just excited about it. So have other folks done this carve out, Kirk, or is there... Well, other, they're, they're probably about 100 in the state of California that have done the carve out, but no PEOs. So Safeway, uh, I know, is an employer. I believe um, there's an Bechtel might be uh, still have a program. Most of them are state and local governments that have opted out of the system. I see. Okay.
And uh, who's the union that you work with? We work with the United Food and Commercial Workers Local or Golden State 8. Okay. Um, they're headquartered here in the Sacramento area. We're in Folsom uh, in the Sacramento area. And we really, we have a great relationship. But again, I I need to keep in mind that it is still an adversarial relationship because <laughs> we're on grievance calls once every three weeks to try to resolve the grievances, you know, and we don't think we owe any money and, <laughs> you know, they want the work, but it, it's, it's a good relationship, but you always, it, it it's like maybe the old days in Democrats and Republicans, mm -hmm. you know, they, you, there was a, they had a different view of life. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was just going to ask you, like, how, how does, how's that go? How is the relationship with uh, working with the unions every day? That's so far so good. I mean, it's, it, again, it's, going, well. it's, it's okay. going well, you know, they are very, we, we kind of like to call it union 2.0 mm -hmm. because we're an employer coming forward. I mean, they didn't ask us to offer English as a second language to mm -hmm. all these people. Yep. We just said, Hey, We've got this money over here that's really meant to be used for the employees. This is what we think we should do with it. Because English as a second language, once you learn English, your ability to earn an income increases. What better, what better thing to do for, for our client base? Absolutely. We're going to have um, fork truck driving training, mm -hmm. uh, you know, food preparation training. Just we try to work with the community and say, what kind of jobs are you? I mean, if someone said, oh, we need welding jobs, well, mm -hmm. we would start having welding classes. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. good for us. It's good for the union because they just keep, we keep sending them dues each month. Sure. And they seem <laughs> to be happy with that. And the, the workers, I, we went out to a um, a new client. It happened to be a Molly Maids, mm -hmm. um, not a staffing, but it was a Molly Maids. And we're explaining all these things to the workforce mm -hmm. and they were like we get all these benefits what's the catch <laughs> like there's no catch <laughs> yeah. and so you know pat you can hear me get a little excited about this because going back to i want to do good i want to help people yep. it's things like that that made me just feel really great about samuel hale and the work we're doing here yep 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 it sounds like it and, and so it leads me to the next question how's business Business is going very well, very well. We, um, we're we very profitable. I've been with several PEOs, so I understand, mm -hmm. you know, where that is. We are reinvesting some of the uh, profitability into developing a couple of new products to help the staffing, kind of an AI-based VMS system. Mm -hmm. We really, that should hit the ground running. I can't talk about the one deal that we really are looking at um, that I'm super excited about. And you can't either, by the way. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, but in a future, at a future edition of this, we'll come back. Yeah. That cake I, gets baked because it's interesting. I it's, think everybody would love to hear interesting, it. It's really interesting and really not that the PEO industry has to be put you know, on the front page, but I humbly believe that if that goes through and it's still 50, 50 mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it'll, 
really put PEO even bigger on the map. Yep. 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 So you've, yeah, you've been around the industry for a long time and, you know, thinking about the context of being with, you know, one of the largest PEOs with 20,000 worksite employees right now, yeah. you know, ADP, I guess is north of half a million, you know, so the context of that. So uh, yeah, I'll ask you the softball, but what, what, what's the outlook for the industry from where you, from where you stand? One of the funny things, Pat, about, um, doing my podcast was, you know, I've been in the industry for, you know, 25 years. There's nothing new. I kind of got this PEO thing <laughs> figured out, you know, what's going on. And then I talked to someone like Mike DeMano here at Samuel Hale. I actually interviewed him before he interviewed me. Um, and then I talked with Nick Soman over at Decent PEO. Sure. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, Wait, these ideas, I don't know that anyone ever done either of those ideas. And I and I talked with uh Tracy Colacerto in West Virginia and and just the new energy I get from these PEO startups. Anthony Laporte is another uh, was a, a great person to talk to. And while I, you know, I enjoyed talking with Dale Hageman and John Paulson and you know the the who's who at least in my world, Mark Perlberg didn't, uh, I didn't ask Mark Perlberg. I shouldn't, shouldn't throw him under the bus because I never asked. I'm sure he would have been interviewed. But, but the youth and the different ideas that the industry is coming up with, I think is going to cause it for even greater growth. Yeah. I mean, it, it, from the broader question in which you asked is when I got in the industry, people were asking, is this legal? <laughs> to now, okay, they're bringing in two or three PEOs to compete against you on any quote because they know the advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know the the uh, the the line we always hear is if you've seen one PEO, you've seen one PEO. You know that exactly. what's happening is that, that everybody's got their own model, their own view of beauty, and they're going out and they're and they're doing it. What? To, so let me ask you the opposite question: Where are the headwinds? Where are the dangers? Where are the where are the the mines? for this industry, what do we need to be cautious about going forward? Immediately, I think the, the workers' comp market is hardening. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be a challenge to certain PEOs. I, I think, and I, I've come to realize in the last couple of years, that technology has become a much more important part of why a company chooses a PEO. You need to have the technology. And I, I think there's good solutions out there but that also comes with the things like the california consumer protection act you know how are you going to comply with all of these technology-based regulations yeah. so again we get back to why does a peo exist to help people comply with regulations and we're getting into the new areas so i think that's a couple of the areas that i wouldn't say headwinds but i find that there's growth and that people have to educate themselves on. So and you mentioned the California statute. Is California the best state for PEOs or the worst? <laughs> it depends on what kind of PEO you are, right? <laughs> Our, you know, for Samuel Hale, it's the best because, you know, it's a workers' comp play. Yep. Arbitrage on our behalf. And, um, there's no better place to play than California. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe New York, but California by far. 
Mm -hmm. um, does it have crazy rules? If you're in Arizona and you don't want you don't want to comply with all these crazy rules, and mm -hmm. you 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 know you don't sell in California. Mm -hmm. um, I know the Northeast is predominantly business or uh, rather health benefits focused. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, it depends. I, ironically, the best place to do business is where you're probably doing business. <laughs> that's, that's great advice. Yeah, it's great insight because, you know, uh, I always joke, you know, every time I go to our California meetings and, you know, uh, John Polson does his summary of California laws, it's always like, God, I hope the bar is open after this. <laughs> just so depressing. I remember one year, it was just I think we met in December, and it was like, okay, here are all the laws that are coming online next month. And I swear, Kirk, it was like a two-hour presentation. I just like right. this one and this one and this one. And you just think, oh, my God, like who could keep up with this stuff? But the flip side is no one can keep up with it. That's right. why you're going to need a PEO, right? So it does seem exactly. for us, the, the industry writ large, kind of the worse it gets, the better it gets. I don't know. Has that been your experience? Yeah, I think that's the whole purpose of the industry. I mean, that's why I got in. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was, you know, going back to the my I-9 days, anti-discrimination days, you know, the rules were so crazy. Marriott could comply with the laws, but... Mm -hmm. The person down the street at uh, Joe's uh, auto tire and gas station, <laughs> they had no idea yeah. how to complete a 99. And so they were the ones that were saying, I need to see your green card. And how come it isn't it green? You know? <laughs> I'm sure I told you. Uh, so I was in the city the same time you were. And I mean, I've been here forever, but uh, I was at labor. When uh, the uh, when IRCA uh, the the Immigration Reform Act passed, Simpson Mazzoli passed, and so I went to see a union president. I was doing outreach with all the unions, and uh, went to see a union president who shall remain nameless of a fairly checkered, let's just say, fairly checkered union. <laughs> and he was asking me a lot of technical questions about IRCA, and I said, I really don't know. We were in Florida. We were at a union convention in Florida. I said, I don't know. I said, I'll tell you what. When we get back to D.C., I will send our experts over to meet with you. And he put his hand up and he said, no, thanks. The last time the Labor Department came to visit me, they stayed for 15 years. <laughs> so <laughs> that, was, that was the downside of it. So what, what's your advice? I'll ask two parts uh, to, to the uh, startup and to a general counsel. So what's your advice to a PEO that's starting up today? Anywhere, not just in California. What's your advice? Well, I think you need to become a member of NAPIO. There and I'm not just saying that because we're <laughs> chatting. I, NAPIO has tremendous amount of resources, and you need to go to the annual conference to meet the people because NAPIO and the, the annual conference has always been a networking uh, organization or opportunity where you get to ask people questions, and they're not looking at you like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, what, what, what is ERISA? And, uh, you know, why do I have to do it this way? And I, I think that's so important. Now, most new PEO owners have been in the industry. Um, you know, they've been with Trinet or with some other PEO, and they've gone out to, to start their own. Actually, mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of startups from ADP mm -hmm. um, people over the years. And 
so they have some knowledge. But again, we talked about if you've seen one PEO, you've seen one PEO. Yeah. And while ADP is a great PEO, there are other ways to do it, especially if you're significantly smaller. Mm -hmm. You have the opportunity to provide that touch uh, service. And I think that's as a startup, that's where you have to start distinguishing yourself by that touch. Um, I was talking with Tom Jacobs on one of my podcasts, and he was saying how he personally delivered payroll yeah. uh, to his clients. Yeah. And he, he would say, do you have any other issues? And he's an employment attorney. So of course, <laughs> and that's how he grew his business by yeah. word of mouth and delivering his own payrolls. Um, for general counsel, goodness, there's so there's so much. You know, I was at the Fisher and Phillips um, pr presentation in uh, uh, down in the LA area. And I just was overwhelmed. Yeah. I came out of that and I was just like, oh my God, there's so much to do. And that's just the stuff I didn't know about. Yeah. I already have enough to do as it is. Yeah. Uh, so this morning I, I've already, you know, talked with uh, counsel on a matter in litigation that we're involved in, uh, talked with, advised a couple of people on employment issues. I'm writing corporate minutes. Uh, so there's so much to do yeah. as legal counsel and, um, Again, Napio is a great resource. You know, I'd be happy to be a resource for anyone who's listening that thinks that I might be able to help them. I'm not sure that I could, but, you know, I've been around the block. So, yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks for the plug for Napio. That was, you know, we're going to air this whether or not you put the plug in for Napio. You know that. Oh, I wasn't sure of that. <laughs> I, no, no. I've always been a big fan of Napio. Well, thanks. And, um, you know, the first conference I went to was the one in San Francisco, probably in 1997, Wow. 98. Wow. You know, it's and funny, I to people all the time who were, you know, thinking about joining or thinking about starting a PEO. And I, I same thing, I said, oh, look, it's not going to make or break my budget if you come to our conference. But I'm telling you, if you're thinking about it or you're just getting started, Come to the conference because the entire universe is under one roof. I always right. joke. The truth is they're actually in the bar, but you know, forever. <laughs> but well, it's still whole, one roof, right? Yeah. The whole universe, like yeah. healthcare, comp, software, four hundred one k, like whatever you want to know about, they are there in that one location for like four days. That's it, and you will spend the, a year flying around the country, chasing people around on the phone or on the, you know, by email, or you go to one city for four days, you'll see it all, right? It's just, it's concentrated. Well, and, and the important part that I'm not sure everyone appreciates is you should bring some of your key people with yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Because your low level people never may have never worked for a PEO, someone mm -hmm. who's doing your payroll director. And just to have that, synergy and, and to meet people. You know, I'm, I'm not saying the receptionist needs to come, but you know, your director of risk or benefits yeah. or whatever, yeah. they probably should go at least once or you rotate it among your staff yep. because it is extremely important. The, the seminars have been great. Mm -hmm. When I first joined Napio, they had some terrible stuff in, in the <laughs> early uh, 2000s. They, then they focused on growing your business um, and you're right. A lot of the stuff happens at the bar, just yeah. talking and, yeah. 
you know, yeah. figuring things out and you ask, you, you look over, there's Wanda Silva and you can ask her a question. And then, you know, Jim Bell is over here and, you yeah. know, uh, ask him about what things are like in New Jersey. And yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you'd agree. Uh, again, I came from the National Association of Manufacturers. We're all friends. We all got along. I have never seen an industry with the level of cooperation that this industry has. I mean, I have seen head-to-head competitors sit down and say, oh, here's how you do this. I'm having trouble with this. Oh, well, here, here's how you fix that. And here's this, like, it's, I've seen, you know, it's unbelievable people in the same market helping one another, helping them grow their business. I, I just, I've never seen an industry like it where people are so willing and you 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 mentioned it, uh, you know, in the conference. Anybody, you you, any, you go ask anybody any question, and they will sit with you the rest of the day and help you figure out again how you're setting things up. I was at a conference a couple of years ago, and it's a startup. And the guy says that my biggest issue is um, uh, healthcare, right. and I'm trying to figure out what to do. And we're just at lunch, and there was a woman at the table who said, "Oh." I just did like a one-year project, like surveying all the plans and pros and cons. Well, give me your business card. I'll email it to you. It saved the guy a year. It saved him a year of work, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just, she was a stranger. She was just sitting at his table at lunch. She was like, I got it. I'll send it to you. I'll email it to you. I got it. And he was like, he was so great. It's like, this, again, it would have taken him forever to get this done, right? So it, it's that level of cooperation that we see uh, in the industry, which really is gratifying, you know? And, you know, we, we go back to, that brings me back, uh, Pat, to why I started the podcast to begin with. While Harry Aaron was the inspiration, I wanted to, to pass something along to people. Yep. And there was a lot of wisdom out there that I was trying to capture to share that. Yep. You know, because, you know, I'm kind of a historical fan. I mean, mm-hmm. when I talked about getting in the industry, you know, it was VinCam that became yeah. part, that became yeah. ADP. It was yeah, yeah. staff leasing that became Jevity that yeah. was, per, you know, Martin Babnick with Trinet. And, and, yeah. and there were names like that that I didn't want people to forget because they really yeah. were, you know, kind of the leaders in the industry. It's so great. You know, I interviewed uh, Carlos Rodriguez, uh, ADP, a couple of years ago at our conference. And my last question to him, I said, you know, why haven't we grown more? You know, <laughs> and he looked at me like I had three heads. And he said, when I was at VinCam, we had like 20,000 worksite employees. And we got we got a half a million today. What kind of growth are you looking for? <laughs> <It's> exactly. like, <laughs> so it was the context. But I agreed sort of capturing that point of view and that perspective, right? And so uh, from here, yeah, I I will stand on your shoulders and everything you've done. And I really do appreciate it and capturing all that stuff, which you've done. And so I'm going to, because I've I've stole the whole concept of plagiarize. I'm going to steal your question. What's (laughs) something about Kirk Flagg that we don't know? You leave out the college years where things probably were a little sketchy, but other than that, you know. Yeah, there was no uh, Instagram or social media back then. And and, and you know, you mentioned uh, Alan Simpson, who is one of my favorite uh, folks here in D.C. Alan Simpson, they asked him once if he was going to run for president, and he said no. They said why not? He said because when I was in college, I thought beer was food. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, um, some people know, but I think. Um, 
when I left the Department of Justice and went back to Michigan to work for a PEO, and that didn't work out, I was looking at other options. And my goal in life was to be to run for office, political office. Wow. So during the 19, oh, goodness, I, I'm not sure what election cycle it was. Um, I talked with one of the parties in Michigan. My uncle had been a state representative from Owasso, Michigan area for 22 years. And, and I, um, they wanted to back me Mm -hmm. and it it was a lifelong dream. And, you know, at 40, I was about to achieve another one of my lifelong dreams. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I sat down and said, you know, this really isn't family focused being a politician. That's right. And so I backed out of that. Uh, I will point out that one of my classmates at Alma College was Senator Gary Peters. Wow. And <laughs> we went in different directions. I actually had talked with him about getting involved in politics at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and Debbie Stabenow were two of my um, mentors at that point mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And now they're both senators, yeah. at least for the yeah. time being. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, I didn't live that dream out, and mm-hmm. uh, but I think I've had a really good life, and I'm grateful that I did not run for political office. And I'll tell you, they always joke there. You know, it's the easiest way to research your family tree. They say you know, it's run for office. Uh, but the other thing exactly. is that having been in this city for a very long time, that life is a grind, man. It is. Yes grind and you schlep back and forth to Michigan. The house is every two years. That's really miserable. It's hard to start in the Senate. Uh, that's at least six years, but you've got to raise X, like 10, 20,000 a day, a day, every day on the phones. And it's like, Kirk, you just called me. I know I just called you last week, but I need another contribution this week. Like, good Lord. And, and it, 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 that life, I don't know. People get used to it. They stay forever. But from the outside looking in, that life is a grind, boy. It's it's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's hard. So I think I made the right choice. You did. You did. As far as I'm concerned, you did. That is, <laughs> that, that is absolutely right. Yeah. Well, thank you, pal. I really appreciate the time today. This is great. Um, it's great. Yeah. And then, yeah, if, you, uh, if the Manhattan Project works, you got to come back on and tell us uh, how that all played out. And if it doesn't, oh, or, get back on oh, any. Anyway. Let Mike do that. Okay. Okay. Terrific. Terrific. Well, Kirk, I sure do appreciate it. Uh, this is great. And for the uh, for the maiden voyage and for the handoff and for as gracious as you've been, I just can't, I can't thank you enough. And I hope that I do it justice and do you justice carrying this thing forward. And anytime you want to jump back in, the water's fine. Appreciate that, Pat. Thank, thank you, so you pal. Much.